Good morning, everyone. We want to welcome you to our Sunday morning services here at Grace Church at Franklin, here in Franklin, Tennessee. We want to extend a welcome to all of you who may be tuning in by the internet. We're so glad to have you, and we pray that you will pray for us and for the work here as we shall for you. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 111, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. We've come here today to learn of the Lord and to praise him, and we'll begin today with some songs of praise and uh, some announcements, and we ask that you will be praying for all of the services here at Grace Church. Joshua is going to come and lead us now. Good morning, everybody. Would you all stand up with us? Number 259, when there's trouble all around, our only hope to stand is on the rock that's firmer and higher than we are. 259. Oh, sometimes the shadows are deep And rough seems the path to the goal And sorrow sometimes how they sweep like a tempest down over the soul Oh, then to the rock let me fly To the rock that is higher than I Oh, then to the rock let me fly To the rock that is higher than I Oh, sometimes how long seems the day Sometimes how weary my feet But toiling in life's dusty way Is the rock's blessed shadow, how sweet Oh, then to the rock let me fly To the rock that is higher than I Oh, then to the rock let me fly that is higher than I Oh, near to the rock let me keep If blessings or sorrows prevail Or climbing the mountain way steep Or walking the shadowy vale Oh, then to the rock let me fly Have some announcements. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you with us today. Glad to, the Lord has spared you another day and brought us safely through another week that we can assemble here to worship Him. For truly, He alone is worthy to be praised. 
You know, I was just thinking about that song we sang about hiding in the shadow of Christ. You know, if you go outside in the middle of the day, <clears throat> during the heat of the day, you have to get pretty close to a tree to get in the shadow or the shade of that tree. It doesn't go very far. Well, that's the way we are in the heat of trial and tribulation. We need to get pretty close to Christ to cling to him. I won't charge anything for that. We like to uh, continue to remember a number of our church family that uh, are sick. We have a number of people who have been ill. We want to continue to pray for Peggy Smith's daughter, Leslie, uh, Ed Adamowitz's daughter, Julie, and her husband, Robbie, for Joyce Graves, her husband, Richard, and her son, John, for Reagan's friend, Kate, also want to continue to remember Judy and uh, Calvin LaPetri. Also, uh, our sister Shirley Murphy's here today. We're glad to see you. We praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Want to continue to pray for uh, our brother Wally Haddon and his wife Mary as she ministers to him. Uh, Beth Moran's niece, Laura Jackson, who has uh, cancer. Stage four cancer. Also want to remember Carl Perry's brother, Bobby. Uh, Betty Hathcock's son, Kevin. Has he had his surgery? Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Okay, so let's keep Kevin in our prayers. Also, uh, our sister, Pat Jackson, uh, George Bishop. Also, uh, uh, Jaya McCarthy. And we're glad to see Carolyn Bat here today. Let's continue to pray for her. She had a recent fall that injured uh, her back and some ribs. Also want to continue praying for Howie Smith. He is, uh, was sick, but he's doing better, we're told. But uh, continue to remember him as he serves in the service, the Marines. Also, we want to remember those uh, over in the western counties of our state here that were, uh, some of them lost loved ones, family members. I think there were 20 deaths related to those floods. So let's remember those people. And then of course to our south, we have uh, the people down in uh, Louisiana that are looking forward to another hit by a hurricane, Hurricane Ida, which they says here is close to becoming a category five Hurricane. You all remember the name Hurricane Katrina and all the damage that it did? It was a category three. This one's up two levels, so I can't imagine what's going to happen there. But Brother Todd has asked that we pray for three individuals from his team that have gone down to help with the uh, aftermath of that storm. So let's remember them. And he also, Brother Todd also asked that we continue to pray on his behalf. He had intended to be here today, but awoke with some congestion and thought it might be better to stay at home since we have a, uh, a spike in the COVID and, you know, this new barrier going around. So he has some uh, testing tomorrow, not COVID, but another test, a medical test tomorrow. And so let's remember him as he goes through that. And also, um, next Lord's Day would be the first Sunday 
of the month. And uh, at 1045, we will be observing the Lord's Supper. So if you'd like to participate in that, then you meet with us at 1045. But we will not have our fellowship, our regular fellowship dinner on the first Sunday. So um, would you look to the Lord for his leadership in these things? But as a reminder, if you would like to worship God with a giving of gifts or offerings, there is a box on the table out in the front for you so that you can place those gifts there and support the Lord's work. Yeah, pertaining to that hurricane, I don't know, you probably all don't remember. A couple of years ago, I had a friend come up from New Orleans who was visiting. His name is Jack Finnerty, and I, he came and uh, came to church with us that day. He, uh, he had come up as a refugee after Katrina, and that's how I got to know him. I just touched base with him this morning, and he said he's at one of the hospitals there working, and they're just, he said they're already in it, so they're already in the hurricane. So let's pray for all those people. Um, teach me thy way, O Lord. 337 <clears throat> Excuse me Teach me thy way O Lord teach me thy way Thy guiding grace afford teach me I just saw the whole Britain family walk in back there, Mr. Ted and all. He just had a double bypass, of course. Let's give the Lord praise for that. I know you probably don't want the attention, but we're praising the Lord for you that you're, that you're back. <laughs> Blessed Assurance. <clears throat> Let's sing that one. 255. 
I won't make you stand for too long because we'll stand up when we do these next songs. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit and washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending bring from above Echoes of mercy and whispers of love This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song I'm praising my Savior all the day long Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness and lost in His love. Yes, this is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, I'm praising my Savior all the day long, praising my Savior all the day long. <laughs> there we go. All right. I think we've, yep, I think we've got a, oh, you want us to do another one. Okay. Miss Sue, let's wing it. What do you want to try? We... <laughs> you want to do that? You want to do Feeling Mighty Fine? Miss Lynn says that. Well, and even if we weren't feeling fine, <clears throat> if we can get Jesus on our mind, we'll feel just fine. Let's stand up. Can we, um, I'm sorry guys to throw that at you. It, it is in the new choruses folder on the desktop up there. Feeling Mighty Fine. I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind I woke up with joy in my soul Cause I knew my Lord had control We'll get it up there and just Well, I knew I'd been walking in the light Cause I'd been on my knees in the night And I prayed to the Lord Excuse me And now I'm feeling mighty fine Here we go Well, I'm feeling We sure are blessed to have some great musicians over here. Miss Sue, who's played her whole life 
and then took a break for a number of years, and then the Lord brought her back to play here, and she was able to pick it right back up. She doesn't have this music in front of her. She's just playing it. Isn't that amazing? She's great. Verse 2. Verse 2. Ready? Well, we're walking with Jesus all the time. We're walking and talking as we climb. We're traveling with His eternal life. Excuse me. Where with Him we'll live when we die. He's been telling me all about that land. And He tells me that everything is grand. And He says that a home will be mine. So now I'm feeling mighty fine. Got to after that. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. I've got heaven. feeling okay knowing that now yeah i'm feeling fine feeling fine <laughs> that's not quite that's not quite on the level of the statler brothers but you know it's we can do it we'll make do <laughs> okay i think we've got a couple more songs we're going to do for you i don't know let's see you can if you want to y'all want y'all need to sit down miss lynn says Well, I hope you're feeling mighty fine. <laughs> oh, I tell you, Lynn is a person that lives that way. She lives that way, feeling mighty fine all the time. And with a person like me, I'm a little melancholy, so she has to feel fine to live with me. <laughs> I want to say two or three things before we do any songs. Number one. I want to say how much we appreciate all of you who support this work here by your presence, by your giving, by your prayers. We appreciate it so very much. Thank you. This has been a tough time for everybody for the last year because of the coronavirus. In fact, I got a text this morning, and basically all of the Lawrence family uh, have tested positive for coronavirus. We want to pray for them. But they all seem to have light cases. Everything seems to be going well. Secondly, most of you do not know who Denise Charlot is, but there are a couple who worshipped here with us for a couple of times, and then they had to go to MD Anderson's out in uh, Houston for some cancer tests. And all of those things came back benign. And so I want us to be sure to give the Lord praise for that. Let's praise the Lord 
after that, she had some lumps and so on, but they were all benign. Everything was just great. Then we're glad to have Nelson and Linda back from uh, Washington out there. It was hotter out there, I think, than it was here. And uh, Nelson said the airport was chaos, and he said the airport in the big city was chaos on steroids. So that's pretty chaotic. So we're glad to have you back. And Ted, we're so glad the Lord has just dealt with you in a wonderful and a bountiful way. He had some heart surgery. And the doctor came in his room after a couple of days and said, there's just one thing I want to know. What are you still doing here? That's pretty, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good report, isn't it? That's a great report. Uh, we're thankful for, for the Lord's blessings, and we want to remember to thank him and praise him. We ask him for things, and then we forget to go back and, and thank him. All right, then with that in mind, our musicians, we, we could not have the worship service we have here, and we don't have a lot of extracurricular activities at Grace Church. Uh, we don't have a big, huge orchestra. We don't have any of that. Some of you may play other instruments, and we'd love to have you to come up and play with us and uh, help us make music for I the sing. Lord's people to sing by. But we appreciate uh, Trace and Joshua and Sue and John and the ones that play up here for us and make music. We thank the Lord for that. Today happens to be Sue's birthday. All right. <laughs> okay. She's 29. 29 yeah. again. Doesn't she look good? <laughs> so we want to sing happy birthday to Sue. And I just wondered if anybody else since last Sunday had a birthday. Anybody else had a birthday since last Sunday? Okay. All right. Well, well, we, well we huh? had an anniversary. Huh? We had an anniversary, though. And who Does was that? that? Count? Bob and Julie. Bob and Julie had an anniversary? Years. 38 that's right. years. That's a long time to live with Bob. That's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Bob. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's sing Happy Birthday. Sue, I guess you'll have to play your own birthday song. Huh? Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. other anniversaries since last Sunday? Any other anniversaries this month of August? I know some of you, y'all had an anniversary? Tom and Linda had an anniversary? Really? Okay, praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Any other anniversaries? All right, let's sing happy anniversary to it. All right, ready? Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. All right, well, we kind of miss sending those birthdays, anniversary songs. 
We're going to do an ancient hymn first this morning, and then we're going to try to do a little song that we really haven't had an opportunity to practice and rehearse. But this is to the melody of I Love Thy Kingdom, Lord. Now, you won't know the lyrics, so you have to look up on the board. And I hope that's loud enough to say I love thy kingdom. Unfaltering lip and heart, I call this Savior mine. Sing it with me. I praise the God of grace. I trust His truth and might. He calls me His. I call Him mine. My God, my joy, my light. song and I'm singing the other melody. I wasn't singing the one that Sue was playing. That's why she looked over here like I was crazy. Okay, well we got through it anyway. I love those ancient hymns because they're biblical. I bless the Christ of God. I rest on love divine and with unfaltering lips and heart I call this Savior mine. My life with him is hid. My death has passed away. And so shall I lift my head with joy, for it is all of grace. Good song, even if I messed it up. All right, Joshua, you want to come over and help us? We want to get you to stand up with us on this one. This is an old song. You may not realize who wrote it. Actually, Hank Williams wrote it. And it's uh, I call I Have a New Body. Resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. It will be so bright and fair when we meet our loved ones there. Have a new body, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home and glory eternal where the redeemed of God shall stand. Be no more sorrow, there'll be no more strife. Raised in the likeness of my Savior, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new body, I'll have a new life. There'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more strife. 
the likeness of my Savior, ready to live in paradise. Have a new body. shall come have a new body i'll have a new life graves all bursting saints are shouting heaven and beauty all around have a new body i'll have a new life i'll have a new home of glory eternal whether within the gods or there'll be no more sorrow there'll be no more strife of my Savior, ready to live in paradise. Have a new body, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Amen. You may be seen. You know, y'all are a patient audience. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right, we're going to ask the Lord's blessings this morning. As we look into His Word, ask Him to help us as we listen and help us, help me as I try to open His Word. Father, I sense I verse or two from Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. This is our eighth or ninth uh, study on the story of Joseph. It's an amazing story. We could be in it for a long, long time. I'll probably try to cut back on some of it, but there's a lot to say about Joseph. And as I pointed out to you, he occupies more chapters in the book of Genesis than any other patriarch. He is a, an amazing man. He's a son of providence, a son of prayer, a son of promise. He is a biblical type of all sons and daughters of God. He is a most excellent type of the Messiah. He's the most faithful Christ-like man of all of the Patriarch, he's an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile, no deceit, no falsehood, no subtlety. And uh, what did he get for it? Well, let's look right here in Genesis chapter, chapter 37. Verse 4, 
when his brethren saw that their father loved Joseph more than all of his brethren, they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance, bowed in respect to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams. And he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brethren. And he said, I've dreamed another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? Watch this now. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Twice, maybe three times, it says his brothers hated him. And then it sums it up and said they envied him. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and let God's people say praise the Lord and you may be seated. In the world in which we live today, the Bible is so practical and up to date. This is one reason why I enjoy studying verse by verse in the Scriptures because when we look at all of the Word of God, we're going to get all of the will of God. We're not just going to be able to play on favorite doctrines, things that we like, things that seem pleasant to us, but we'll be able to get all of the Word of God. And I hate to interrupt myself again, but would somebody check the front door? Maybe somebody trying to get in out there. The times in which we live demand that we lock the front door after we start, start the worship service, but we're probably going to have to put some kind of camera back there for folks that may be maybe late. As I was saying, in this world in which we live, the Bible is so practical it deals with every element of the human personality. And one of the worst things about fallen men is envy. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'm going to talk to you about dealing with envy and dealing with hatred. It seems that Joseph doesn't suspect at all the jealousy and the envy, and the hatred of his brothers. We notice that his father had made him a so-called coat of many colors, it says in verse 3. I have explained to you that it's not literally a coat of many colors. It is really a fancy kind of coat with long sleeves and a long uh, tail behind it that indicates something. It is a significant coat. It is a coat of distinction, but it is also a coat of rejection. And let me explain that. Joseph has been chosen by his father Jacob, whose name has been changed to Israel. He's been chosen to receive 
the birthright blessing of leadership in his family, though he was not the firstborn. Generally, the birthright blessing fell to the firstborn. This coat that he's wearing is a testimony to the reality of this birthright blessing being given to him. And as I say, normally the birthright blessing would be give, given to, to the firstborn. Certainly it would not be given to a son who was almost the last one to be born. There's only one brother that's uh, younger than Joseph, and that's Benjamin. So Joseph was the next to the last to be born, and yet he has been given the right of the birthright blessing, and rightly so. Now, many of you don't know some of these verses in the Bible, but let me tell you where I get my information. I think we're going to put it up on the board. It's from 1 Chronicles chapter 5 that makes what I've just said very clear. 1 Chronicles chapter 5, you can find it in your Bible or you can look up on the board. It says, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn, the firstborn son of the twelve sons of Jacob, the firstborn was Reuben. He was the firstborn, it says. But far as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. And notice verse 2, Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. There it is, 1 Chronicles chapter 5. The birthright was Joseph. As a result, as a result, the brothers of Joseph were full of envy. They wouldn't even speak peaceably to him. The scripture says in verse 4 that when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. If you ever had someone you said hello to you and they spoke back to you in a terse way and you knew that there was something wrong with them or that they, was, they were unhappy about something and maybe they were mad with you about something and so they did not speak back to you in a friendly way. That's what this means. His brothers couldn't speak friendly in a friendly way to him. They were so filled with envy against him and hatred for him that they could not Speak peaceably to him. Now, what I want us to do today is very simply to learn four little lessons, four lessons that I hope will help us with jealousy and envy. Let me ask you this question Do you know the difference between jealousy and envy? You know the difference between the two, they are different. If a person is jealous of another person, they are, they are not, they are upset because they don't have what the other person has. If you're jealous, if one is jealous of another, that person is jealous because they don't have what the other person has, the person they're jealous of. But when you are envious of another person, when you envy another person, you not only don't like it because you don't have it, but you don't like it because they do. 
You not only don't like it because you don't have it, but you don't like them because they do have it. And you'll take steps, you'll take steps to rid them of what it is that you don't want them to have. <laughs> and that's what we have today in, a, in, in the American society. Our society is full of jealousy, full of envy. Uh, uh, the, the news programs, in my opinion, have become nothing but gossip shows. Uh, that's all they're doing is talking about who did what to whom and why and how we can pull them down and how we can take them down. There's, uh, there's talk now about impeachment toward uh, President Biden. And I knew that when they tried to impeach President Trump, that that was just going to be the beginning of all of this impeachment. Whoever is in power is going to try to impeach the other. And then you have people who come forward and try to take some people down, sometimes justly, but many times unjustly. And that's what we're full of today. So how can we deal with this envy? Let me share four simple lessons, and I hope that you can relate these lessons to yourself, and you will remember them, and you will consult God's Word whenever you have a problem with envy, whether someone is envying you, or whether maybe you might have a problem with envying another. Number one, how do we deal with it? Number one, remember that it is the Lord who exalts, and it is the Lord who puts down. It is the Lord who determines who shall be famous and who shall be unknown. It is the Lord who determines who shall live and who shall not live. And we're going to see this in the Bible. I'll tell you where it's found. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And if our equipment is working properly, you're going to be able to see these verses on the board. Here's what Hannah, Hannah is the mother of Samuel, the great prophet, she was barren. She couldn't have any children. And she went to the temple and she prayed and she asked God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And the Lord heard her prayer and she had a child. And she goes to praise the Lord and here's part of her praise. You can find it in 1 Samuel chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 6. She says this, The Lord kills and the Lord makes alive. The Lord brings down to the grave, and the Lord brings up. The Lord makes poor, and the Lord makes rich. The Lord brings low, and the Lord lifts up. She goes on to say, He raises up the poor out of the dust. He lifts up the beggar from the dunghill. And he takes the poor and the beggar, somebody who was nothing and nobody from nowhere, and he exalts them and he makes things happen their way and they end up sitting among princes. And they inherit the throne of glory. Sounds like he's talking about us, we sinners who are saved. And then it says, for the pillars, here's how he can do this. Here's why he can do this. Here's the reason he has the right and the power to do this. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. There's one thing that we forget all the time, and that is that this is God's world. 
It's not your world and it's not mine and it's not going to happen like I want it to and like you want it to. It's going to happen like he wants it to. She said the Lord kills and the Lord makes alive. Listen, the Lord killed the two sons of Aaron, but he raised up Lazarus from the dead. The Lord sent word to King Hezekiah that he would die, but then Hezekiah cried to the Lord with tears and said, Lord, I've served you. I've tried to glorify you. Be merciful unto me. And before the prophet Isaiah got out of the temple, the Lord spoke to Isaiah and said, go back and tell King Hezekiah that I've heard his prayer and that I'm going to add 15 years to his life. The Lord gave a son to Hannah, that's the mother of Samuel, whose prayer, part of her prayer we're reading here. She was barren. He gave her a son, and then he said to her, you give your son back to me. And he made her son, Samuel, the voice box of God to Israel, and Samuel became the ordainer of kings. It was Samuel who anointed Saul, the first king of Israel, to be king, and it was Samuel who anointed David to be king. So no one becomes famous, no one lives, no one prospers unless the Lord says so. No one can do anything. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. The disciples of John the Baptist came to John and they were jealous for John's sake. And they said, John, have you heard about the guy that you baptized the other day? Jesus, you baptized him? Have you heard that he's baptizing more disciples than you are? And you know what John said? John said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from above. See, his disciples didn't understand that Jesus was the Messiah. John understood that. But they were just jealous for John's sake. And he said, listen, no one can receive anything unless the Lord gives it to him. So remember this. When you're thinking about somebody that has something you don't have, you wish you had it, you don't know why they deserve it, uh, maybe they're rotten, maybe they're spoiled rotten, maybe they're dishonest, maybe they go under the table, but they seem to prosper. Just remember this. It is the Lord who exalts, and it is the Lord who puts down. The second thing that you can remember is this. Whatever our lot in life is, we must learn to be thankful and faithful. You see, if the brothers of Joseph had realized that this dream he had was of the Lord, they wouldn't have been envious of him. They shouldn't have been envious of him. They shouldn't have been hateful of him because it is the Lord who is doing this. Number two is this. Whatever your lot in life is, whatever the way your life is falling out, learn to be thankful and learn to be faithful. We have to say it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good in his eyes. I'll trust him to work everything out for my good and everything out for his glory. 
by His grace, I'm going to be faithful wherever and in whatever circumstance I find myself. Whatever our limitations, we must do the best we can with what we have. Now, you don't have to turn to this, but if you want to, I can tell you where it is. It's in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us these lessons in the parable of the talents. A man called his servants together before taking a long trip, and he gave to one man five talents, he gave another man two talents, and he gave a third man one talent. And Jesus said this, this is important, Jesus said, the man distributed the talents to each man according to that man's ability. You know what that means? That means there's some blessings that the Lord has withheld from me because I couldn't handle them. I wouldn't be able to handle them. With whatever I am, with my personality, with my makeup, with the way I am as a human being and where I am in my life, I wouldn't be able to handle them. And so he holds back. There's certain things that he hasn't given me. Maybe there's certain things that I want, but he hasn't let me have them because I wouldn't be able to handle them. So when you don't have things, it's not because God's against you. It's not because he's depriving you to be mean to you or just to show you who's boss. He's doing it for your good. He's keeping you back from something that might not be a blessing to you. In fact, I know it wouldn't be a blessing if he kept it back from you. You, you know the old story that I told you about some of you old enough now, you've gone back to your high school reunions and uh, so years ago, uh, my 50th uh, graduation from high school was celebrated, and I went down, and of course, when you see all of your former students and friends, in fact, about 60%, and this was several years ago when I checked it, about 60% of my graduating class is deceased. They've all gone on to be with the Lord. Hey, I'm still here. Thank, thankfully to the Lord, I'm thankful for the longevity that he's given me. I'm thankful that when I wake up in the morning, I can still see, I can still hear, I can still talk, my feet still move, my hands still move. I know who I am, I know where I am, and I think I know who he is. <laughs> well, this fellow went back to a class reunion, and while he was in the big gym floor and his class was there, one of his buddies that had been his friend in high school came up to him and said, John, you know who that is over there across the, across the gym floor? And he looked at who? He said, that, that blonde over there, you know who that is? John said, no, I don't recognize her. Well, he said, that's, uh, that's, that's Jennifer. That's the girl that you were so much in love with when you were a senior in high school. The one that you said you couldn't live without. The one you said you just had to have her. Y'all were going to get married and all that. That's Jennifer. Oh, my goodness, he said. I can't believe that. He said, excuse me just a moment. Excuse me. And his friend thought he was going over to talk to Jennifer, but in, to his amazement, he went outside. He went outside to check on him. He was behind a bush praying. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm thanking for the Lord for unanswered prayer. <laughs> I'm thanking the Lord for unanswered prayer. A lot of times we think we want something. We think we need something. 
but it's not going to be for our blessing, for our good. And so the Lord keeps it out of our lives. So Jesus says in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, He said that He gave each man talents according to each person, each man or woman, according to their ability. So the Lord in His wisdom knows that some of us couldn't handle more or different things, and so He's given us what we can handle. Now I want to point out a couple of things. The man that had two talents was not envious of the man who had five. And the man who had only one talent, he was not envious or jealous of the man that had two. And the man who didn't have five talents, he didn't complain that he wasn't given five talents. And the man who had five talents didn't complain that he had been given too much responsibility. The Lord does not indicate at all in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, He doesn't indicate that He expected the man who had two talents to produce as much as the man who had five. He didn't expect the man who had two to produce what the man who had five. The man who had only one talent didn't have to produce what the man who had two talents produced. And the Lord says, after a long time, now by the way, this parable we believe is about Christ. We believe it's Christ giving us abilities, giving us blessings, blessing us with certain things, blessing us with so many years to live, blessing us with abilities and aptitudes. And he went away, and it says, after a long time, he came back, and he called all those servants together to settle accounts. And the long and short of it is the man that had been given five talents had gained five, and the man that had been given two talents had gained two. And the Lord said the same thing to both of them. He didn't make any distinction. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He didn't make any distinction between a guy that had five talents or ten talents or twenty-five talents and the guy that just had one or two. He said the same thing to both of them. There was no distinction made about what each had done with what each had been given. There's no such thing as comparing one to another. So you don't have to do what somebody else is doing. You're not, you're not expected to do what somebody else is doing. The Lord expects them to do something with what He's given them. He expects you to do something and me to do something with what we have been given. So there's no such thing as comparing one with the other. Both of them did something with what they have. The man that had five, the man that had two. But the man who had only been given one talent, he was called lazy and unprofitable because he had done nothing with what had been given to him. He could not have done what the man given five talents did because he only had one talent. Nor could he have equaled the man who had only two talents. But he could have done something with the one talent that he had. And he received a harsh rebuke from his master and a severe sentence. This is what it says. 
take his talent from him and give it to the man who has ten talents. Now, my friends, if you use what the Lord has given you faithfully, he'll give you more. If you do what you can with what you have, he'll not only sustain you, he'll give you more. He'll bless you with more to do. If you can't be faithful with what he's given you, why do we pray for him to give us more? Why do we say, Lord, why don't you give me an increase here? Why don't you make this happen? Why don't you make that happen? Are we being faithful with what we have and what he has given us? And so he said, take from him the talent that he has and give it to the man that has ten talents. Then he said, and cast this unprofitable servant into outer darkness that shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So see, here's the bottom line. It's not how blessed we are. It's not how talented we are. It's not how much money we have. It's not any of those things. It's what we do with what we have that matters. Joseph's brethren had a role to play. Now listen now. This is Joseph and his brothers. They were envious of Joseph. Joseph's brothers had a role to play but they did not want to play the hand that divine providence had dealt them. Instead, they wasted themselves with envy and jealousy of what Joseph had been given. So let's learn this. Let's learn to be content with what the Lord has given us and do the best we can with it. Never mind what others are doing or not doing. Never mind what the Lord has given them or what the Lord has done for them. What are we doing with what He has given us? Now, I could take you over to the Gospel of John. I'll just quickly tell you about it. But in the last chapter of the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus Christ, after He had been crucified, after He had been buried, and after He had been resurrected, He appeared to the disciples while they were on the shore. And uh, when they came in, He was cooking some fish for them. And He wanted them to see that He was able to consume fish, to eat with food, that He wasn't a spirit that they weren't looking at some apparition, some ghost. He wanted to prove to them, this is, this is the same Jesus you knew. I'm different because I'm now in a spiritual body, but I'm able to talk to you. You're able to see me. I'm able to eat with you. And he entered into a conversation with them, and then he zeroed in on Peter. And he said, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Now, why would he zero in on Peter? I don't know all the reasons why, but I know one reason why. It was Peter when the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples that he was going to be betrayed and he was going to be crucified and all of them were going to run like scared jackrabbits. It was Peter who stood up and said, I never run. Not me. No, sir. He was an old rough, tough fisherman, old cursing fisherman. He said, I, I won't run. I won't run at all. He said, uh, they'll have to take me if they take you. But what happened? Jesus said, Peter, 
I know you better than you know yourself. Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. Three times you're going to deny me. Peter said, never do it. <laughs> I'll never do it. But what happened? He did do it, didn't he? He denied the Lord. Some little girl asked him. He was warm. It was cold. And they had Jesus in there. They had arrested Jesus. And they were warming themselves by the fire. And this little woman said, hey, weren't you with that guy that got in there that Jesus fell up? Peter said, no, I don't know him. Then somebody else asked him, I don't know what you're talking about. Then a third person said, look, I know you were with him because your speech betrays you. You've got, you sound like you're from Georgia. <laughs> You've got, a, you've got a southern accent. Don't, tell, don't try to tell me you're from Massachusetts. <laughs> and he said, and then the Bible says that Peter said with profanity, with a curse, I tell you, you blankety-blank, I don't know the blankety-blank man. Don't try to accuse me of that. And then it said immediately, the cock crew, and Peter's heart sank, and he was broken and he went out and he wept bitterly because he realized that he was not strong enough to be faithful to his master if he was left to himself. Neither are we. The only way we're going to finish our course is if the Lord sustains us. We're going to persevere because he preserves us. And if he takes his hand off of us, then the flesh or the world or the devil will get to us. You remember he said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. The reason we're going to persevere is because he in his spirit in us perseveres. We'll persevere because we're preserved by him. And that's why he said, I give unto my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man take them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to take them out of my father's hand. We're secure, not because we're strong, but because he's strong. We're secure, not because we have him, but because he has us. Not because we love him, but because he loves us. It's all in him. And so, remember, never mind what others are doing. So the, the Lord zeroed in on Peter, and he said, Peter, do you know Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? How many times did he ask him, do you love me? Three times. How many times did Peter deny the Lord? Three times. So finally on the third time, when he said, Simon... It says, the Bible says that Simon was grieved because he said unto him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. <laughs> I remember when I said I would never deny you and you told me I would. You know all things and you know that I love you. I don't love you like I ought to. I don't love you like I should. I don't love you like I'm going to but I do love you. And then it says this. It says Peter got a little irritated. See, P Peter was the type of guy, you couldn't push him around too much. 
You know, we've heard the expression, put your foot in your mouth. Peter could probably get both of his feet in his mouth. And so he said to the Lord, he said to the Lord, after the Lord kept saying, Peter, you love me, Peter, you love me, Peter, you love me. He says to the Lord, pointing over to John, he said, what's he going to do? Yeah, the Lord said to Peter, after he told him, after he asked him three times, do you love me? Then he said this to Peter. He said, when you were young, nobody could push you around and tell you what you were going to do. But when you get old, when you get old, Peter, they're going to take you where you don't want to go. And then the Bible adds this. This he said signifying by what death Peter would glorify the Lord. So he's, he's dealing with Peter and he's telling him about the future. And so Peter was irritated, so he points to John and said, what about him? You're picking on me. You're telling me about asking me if I love you. You're telling me what's going to happen in the future here with me. What about John? What's going to happen to him? You know what the Lord Jesus said? You look all this up. It's in the last chapter of John, Gospel of John. The Lord Jesus said, quoting the King James Version, he said, what is that to you? You follow me. Never mind what happens to John. Never mind what my plans are for John. Never mind what the purpose of God is for John. You do, Peter, what I've called you to do. And this is exactly what I'm saying here. I'm saying, do what you can, what you have, and don't worry about what other people are doing or not doing. You can pray for them. You can try to encourage them. But don't start saying, look, they've got this, they've got this, they're doing this, they're doing that. You just do what the Lord called you to do with what you have. Here's the third lesson. If it is the Lord who exalts and the Lord who holds back, if it is the Lord who makes wealthy or poor, if it is the Lord who gives life or takes it, if it is the Lord who determines that one person should be famous and another person should live out their life in obscurity, then we have no reason to be jealous or envious of one another or anyone else. Besides, to whom much is given, much shall be required. With great responsibility comes great demands. Many famous and wealthy people live miserable lives and die, as we say, before their time. So when we're saying, Lord, give me more, you're really saying, I want more responsibility. And if you have more responsibility, you're going to have greater demands placed upon you. Almost everyone have heard, has heard of the famous German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. His work has exerted a profound influence on modern intellectual history. But the fact that Friedrich Nietzsche suffered a stroke at 44 years of age, by which he lost all of his mental faculties and died insane at the age of 55, that's rarely mentioned. It was Nietzsche who coined the phrase, God is dead. 
It was Nietzsche who said, I cannot believe in a God who wants to be praised all the time. It was Nietzsche who said, you have your way, I have my way. As for the right way, the correct way, the only way, it does not exist. That's what Nietzsche said. Years ago, I was in a small cafe on the island of St. John. I was waiting for an order to be filled. In the front of me, behind the serving table, was a picture of Frederick Nietzsche with a quote from him beneath the picture. And standing beside me in this small cafe was a man who was also waiting on an order to be fulfilled. And I could tell that he was looking at Nietzsche and the quote under him, and then he turned to me, unsolicited, he turned to me and he said, now there's a man who knew how to live. And I replied to him, maybe not. He died insane at the age of 55 after 11 years of total mental darkness. Frederick Nietzsche had a brilliant mind, but his brilliancy led him to challenge the God who made him. And at 44, he lost his mind. And after 11 years, he passed away at the age of 55. My dear friends, we have no more reason to envy one another than the brothers of Joseph had to envy him. Listen to me. It was the Lord who chose Joseph to bear the burden of the birthright blessing. It was the Lord who knew that the one son of Jacob who could best bear the future hardships necessary to save the children of Israel and to fulfill the promises made to Abraham was Joseph. The Lord knew that Joseph was the only one who could bear up on, on those hardships and enable him to fulfill his promise to Abraham and save the nation of Israel. Joseph didn't choose his future. The Lord determined it. And guess what? He didn't even ask Joseph what his decision in the matter was. This is what I got planned for you, Joseph. Do you want to cooperate or what? Yes, listen, the brothers of Joseph envy him, but not one of them would have chosen to suffer the trials and the troubles that Joseph is going to suffer had they known them in advance. They wanted the praise, but not the problems associated with the praise. Now let me tell you something, nothing has changed Many today envy successful people, but they're not willing to pay the price for success. I once saw a spectator say to a golf pro after he had made a shot, man, I wish I could chip a ball like that. And to his surprise, the golfer said to him, get some balls and chip several hundred a day for years, and maybe you'll be able to do it. Now, this is the reasoning behind current socialist lie. There's a socialist lie being circulated out here that wealth should be shared by all. I'll tell you this. Most of the time, inspiration and talent is 99% perspiration. In other words, people work. 
And the reason, the reasoning behind the current socialist lie that's gaining preeminence in American society is that wealth, if you have it, <clears throat> you need to share it with me. And the vast majority of those who hold this position are lazy and unwilling to pay the price to have the wealth that they covet. While others were studying in school, they were doing nothing. While others were busy working two jobs and training for a job on the side, they were running the streets or watching television or staying out all night or sleeping till noon and throwing away what wealth they had. Solomon had it right. He said, success bears the fruit of envy. Men want what others have, but they are not willing to pay the price to get it. And the brothers of Joseph, they want his glory, but they don't want his troubles. Here's the fourth lesson, and we'll, we'll be through it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. I think that's on the screen. Here's what it says. This is written to Christians. Now, you realize that all the so-called epistles in the New Testament are written to Christians. You've got four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You've got one book of history, which is the book of Acts. Then you have all these letters written to Christian churches. And then you have the book of Revelation. Okay, now this is written to Christians. Unto you... It is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on it, but also to suffer for his sake. Not only does that apply, let's just leave that up on the board for a few minutes. Not only does that apply to that particular group of Christians in Philippi, but it applies to all Christians of all ages in one degree or another. Uh, listen, I'm convinced of this. The reason I don't have more trouble in my life for being a Christian is because I'm not talking up as much as I should. The time is going to come, though, and it is here now. The time is going to come when just teaching the Scripture is going to be considered hate speech. The Bible makes a distinction between people. The Bible says there are males and females. It said God created them male and female. And Eve didn't say, I don't like being a woman. And Adam didn't say, I don't like being a man. God did the operation and God made them what they were. And they were never unhappy about what he made them to be. But today, we're having people who don't want to be what they are. They don't like the structures of life that limit them where they are. They don't know what I've already told you this morning, that it is God who made us. It is God who determines what we have. If you are an intelligent person, i got news for you, every human being is an intelligent person. It just means that you have more of an aptitude in one area and somebody else has more of an aptitude in another area. That doesn't make the other person inferior to you. It just means God has gifted you in a certain area and he hasn't gifted them in that area. But maybe he's gifted them in certain, a certain area that he hasn't gifted you. All human beings 
have a measure of intelligence. And what this says here is it says that it is given to us to suffer, to have trouble, to have trial on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the lesson here. The person who suffers the most for the Lord for being a Christian, not for doing wrong, but for doing right, who remains faithful to the Lord regardless of the cost, that person shall receive the greatest glory and honor. And our Lord Jesus Christ is the proof of this. Think about it. No one ever suffered trouble like our Savior suffered. He suffered the wrath of men and he suffered the judgment of God. He not only suffered, but he suffered unjustly. All that was thrown against him and said about him and against him was absolutely a lie. Most of what said about us is true. <laughs> Remember the two thieves hanging on the cross? One of them said, if you're the Christ, why don't you save yourself and us? And the other one said, listen, we are receiving the just rewards of our conduct, of our lives, but this man has done nothing. Then he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There was absolutely no cause within Christ for his sufferings. But no one will be given the praise and the glory that he has and will be given. The name of Jesus, as I told you last week, has been exalted above all names, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, so what are we to make of this in terms of our own sufferings? Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 2. And I think this is on the board for you. Philippians chapter 2. Same, same book that says it's given to us to suffer for his sake says this in chapter 2 beginning in verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem the other person better than themselves. Do not look don't, do not let every man look on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now let me break that down for you. He says, Christians, number one, don't, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You know what that means? It means that when you do something for the Lord, don't sound a trumpet. I got up at 4 o'clock this morning. I've been working since 4 o'clock. What time do you get up? Nine? <laughs> I worked till midnight last night. Yeah, I bet you were in bed snoring by 8.30, 9 o'clock, weren't you? So what? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Doing it, do it as unto the Lord, and my Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. Do what you do is unto the Lord. Don't make, a, don't make an announcement about it. Don't do it through strife or vainglory, he says. Don't do anything from a selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast. Secondly, he says, be humble toward one another. Be humble toward one another. Be humble toward your brother or your sister in Christ <clears throat> and even toward those 
who don't know the Lord. Number three, he says, always consider others better than yourselves. Number four, he says, look out for one another's interest and not just for your own interest. Make decisions that's in the interest of your brother. The Lord will find a way to bless you. Number five, he says, the attitude you should have is the one that Christ Jesus had. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, Hebrews 12. Would you turn there in your Bible? I'm going to let you go. Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12. He says, you Christians, remember that before you were born, though there were brothers and sisters in Christ, many of them suffered and they've gone on to glory, and he pictures them like a great stadium, a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we are compassed about, we are surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. We've got people who've gone on to be with the Lord, the saints of God. And he says, let's remember this. And so he says, they went through it. They went through trouble. They went through trial. And they finished their course with joy. So he said, let us lay aside every weight. When you run a a race, you don't want to have a bunch of weights hanging on your waist whether it's a short sprint or whether it's a long marathon. Weights weigh you down. So he's saying, get rid of those things that hinder you from serving the Lord. Get rid of those things that hinder you from giving your all to Him. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, whether that's putting off. Most of us live on an island called Sunday Isle. When are you going to do this? Someday I'll, someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. Someday I'll do this. That's where we live. We live on Sunday Isle. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing today. We do not know what a day may bring forth. The Scripture says we ought to say, God willing and I live. I will do this and I will do that. So he says, lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin, that, beset, that easily besets us, and let us run with patience, with patience, the rest, the race that is set before us. I had a friend recently, a, pre- a preacher friend, pastor friend. He texted me and he said, "This thing and getting old ain't for sissies." He said, "It ain't for sissies." You know, there are people today that uh, they get tired of waiting on the Lord. I have a particular person in mind right now, but I will not disclose who I, whom I have in mind. But this, this particular person lived uh, to be in the mid-80s, got tired of waiting, got tired of waiting, got tired of waiting, took a gun, stuck it in his mouth, and blew his brains out. He said he didn't want to get to the place, you know, where somebody had to take care of him. He didn't want to get to the place where somebody else was going to have to uh, be dressing him and, and making sure he's all right. He didn't want to get to that place. What do you call that, folks? That's called pride. 
And that's called taking your life into your own hands instead of waiting on the Lord with patience, he said. It's going to take patience. Most of us want to live long lives, but we're like Joseph's brothers. We don't want to pay the price. Everything past 70, the Scripture says, most of us that are here that are past 70, we've got an extended plan. (laughs) The Lord just added 15 years to our lives or more like he did Hezekiah. Run with patience, he says. And while you're running, notice verse 2, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher. If you have our, it should be italicized because it's not in the text. The author and finisher of faith. Keep your eyes fixed on him. He set an example for us. He's not only our Savior, he set an example. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before him? The joy that was set before him was the salvation of his people and the glory of his Father. As he considered the price he had to pay in the light of the salvation of his people and fulfilling the will of his Father, he counted it all joy to suffer for our sakes. And that's our attitude. We should count it all joy to suffer for his sake. All joy to suffer for his sake. Keeping our eye on him. He's not only our author and finisher of our faith, he is our example. And he despised all the shame that was associated with death by crucifixion. He despised all the shame and all the rumors about him and all the lies that were told about him, and he is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. He says, Consider him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. He says, Look, and after all, verse 4, you haven't resisted unto blood striving against sin. Have you drawn any blood yet fighting against sin? <laughs> no, I doubt it. Most of us think suffering is not catching all the red lights when we're going home. I fuss at red lights all the time. (laughs) But I also say thank you, Lord, when I catch them, when I catch the green lights. And I try to say thank you when I catch a red light. He says, you've forgotten. You've forgotten the exhortation, verse 5, that speaks to you as he speaks to children. Don't despise the chasing of the Lord. Don't faint when you're rebuked of him. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He scourges every son he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. He says, look, the trouble and the trial that comes your way, this goes back to what I said about God being in charge of them, they couldn't come your way without his permission. They can come your way without his decree. So if he lets them come your way, maybe he's chastening you about something. Maybe he's giving you a spanking about something. Maybe he's taking you out to the woodshed about something. They don't start spitting and spatting and murmuring and complaining. Just say, Lord, what would you have me to do here? How would you, what are you teaching me? Help me to trust you whatever comes my way. Years ago, D.J. Ward was coming to a meeting. I was preaching in the meeting. He was preaching in the meeting, and he was late for the meeting. 
and he said that he had run into a, a strong storm. He said it was raining so hard and the clouds were so dark, he said, I couldn't, I couldn't see 50 feet in front of me. But you know what he said? He said, when you're going through a storm, he said, keep moving. <laughs> he said, keep moving. He said, I never stopped. I didn't pull over to the side. I just kept moving. I may have slowed down, but I kept moving. And when you're going through a storm in your life, keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. So it is the Lord who exalts or brings down. I must be thankful and faithful with whatever divine providence has dealt with me. I want to ask the Lord to deliver me from jealousy and envy, from spite. And uh, when trouble comes my way, I'm asking him to enable me to continue faithful and true. And deliver me from murmuring and complaining against the good providence of the Lord. And deliver me from envy and jealousy. And enable me to run with patience the race that is set before me, always looking unto Jesus and considering Him not only my Lord and Savior, but my example of how He trusted the Father and said, Even so, Father, but so it seemed good in Thy sight. May the Lord add His blessings to the teaching of His Word. Let us stand together, please. Now, if you have never confessed the Lord Jesus Christ, you should do so. I believe the way he's confessed is through baptism, believer's baptism, that is, you're a believer, and you want to confess him. And if that is what you have in your mind and your heart, then please let me know about it, and we'll make arrangements to do that. Baptism doesn't wash your sins away, but it is a sign of your sins being washed away. The blood of Christ is one that washes your sins away. It is Christ who washes our sins away, and the sins are on the inside of us. Confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess Him with your mouth. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. That's what the Scripture says, isn't it? Now, I want to ask you in closing this morning to pray for one another. Pray for all of our uh, brothers and sisters who are not here today. Many of them are sick. And the last thing I want to lead with you, and I don't know if this was mentioned this morning, but our dear sister Marie Dalton, who's usually worshiping with us, uh, her brother-in-law uh, is very, very ill with coronavirus. He's in the hospital. And he doesn't know that only a few days ago his son died from, I think, coronavirus. So Marie is with her, her sister. Her sister is married to this fellow who's sick. Doesn't know his age, but it's around, around 70. I received something from Marie's daughter, told me about that. She asked if we would please remember them uh, in prayer. Also, I received a text from Oregon, and there's a family out there who watch the program and who support us, and uh, this woman's husband uh, is sick with coronavirus. Uh, he's overweight. He's a diabetic. 
So he has a lot of things that are against him. And I'd like to ask you to just remember, even if you don't know his name, the Lord does. So just pray for him. Let's pray for one another. And let me say this. Because we've gotten through it, don't get careless. Trust the Lord, but keep your powder dry. You ever heard that expression? Do everything you need to do and everything you can do from distancing yourself from one another. Uh, they tell us that sometimes people who have this don't know they have it. So be careful about that. Don't get in somebody's face if they don't want you in their face. Keep your hands clean. Be careful and then pray to the Lord and ask Him to keep you safe and ask Him to guide you. Okay? Pray for me. Now lastly, down here on the table are some more copies of We Will Not Be Silenced. Now these books have been paid for. Of course they cost money. They're by Dr. Erwin Lutzer, and they explain, I think, in great detail everything that's going on today in America, all of these progressive socialist movements. If you don't have a copy of this book, they are free. We're giving them to you. They've already paid for. But uh, if you want to give a gift to the church, put in a little extra to help pay for them, do that. Uh, if you've got one person that you want to give a book to, fine. But I want to make them known uh, make them available, rather, to people who worship here first, and then we'll see what we can do with other people. All right? All right, Sue, let's pray. Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shed. Under the blood of Jesus, safe while the ages roll. Safe though the dawn may come, safe though the stars go dim. Under the blood of Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who not only is our Lord, our Savior, but our example. Make us Christians indeed, little Christ. Oh, that we might be conformed to his image, both inwardly and outwardly. That we might not be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, nor of the gospel that we preach and teach, of the confession that we make. We pray for our dear children that you will save them, Lord, and cause them to know you and bring them to the foot of the cross that they might see themselves as having a need of a Savior. We pray for the parents that have children that you'll make them faithful and give them strength that they might do what is right in your eyes rather than in the eyes of the world. We thank you for this building that you've given us. We thank you for the time that you've given us today to come together and worship you. And now I pray that the blood of the everlasting covenant will make you perfect in every good work, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever.